You're listening to New England Public Media News. I'm Adam Frenier, and this is the shortlist, NEPM's Week in Review. Joining us today on the line, Mike Dobbs, Managing Editor with the Reminder Newspapers, and Matt Safransky, Editor of Western Mass Politics and Insight. Mike, Matt, thanks for being with us today. Great to be here. We look ahead to next week when many Massachusetts schools will be open for full in-person learning. Others, including Springfield, will start with a hybrid model and bring back younger students first. Superintendent Dan Warwick says ventilation has been improved in school buildings and plenty of other precautions will be in place, but classrooms won't be as full as normal. 50% of the parents in grades 3 to 8 in Springfield have chosen to keep their kids home. They're going to spend the rest of the year remotely. The move to reopen schools comes as the administration of Governor Charlie Baker has pushed to get kids back into classrooms. Mike, since there's only a few months of school left at this point, does the state forcing districts to bring back kids make sense? It's it's more for the optics than I think anything else. I think that they want to show that things are getting better, and part of the reason, uh, part of the part of that getting better is is reopening schools, even at this point. I think this is going to be interesting to watch as our COVID infection rates are going up a little bit, but it'll be interesting to see how that affects this last decision about the schools. Matt, for kids that do go back to school, it's going to be very different with all of the COVID-19 protocols and precautions. I mean, they may have been sitting at home in front of computers for the last year. Many of them have been. How do you think kids are going to take it? I think it's going to depend a lot on the age of the kids. I mean, I know one of the cons- reasons why we haven't heard about high schools yet is because basically they'd have to have them be doing remote learning in a classroom, in which case, what's the point of that? You know, that they uh, it may end up being that there's not really much point to having high school kids come back. I mean, I'm, I think some high schools may be running fairly normally anyway already, but those that aren't, you know, until you can start vaccinating at least the oldest of high school students and allow them to move around from class to class, it's just going to be very complicated and not really accomplished much. The younger kids, I think, are flexible. I think it'll be helpful that they have some of that in-person interaction at least a few days a week. Um, I will say that I think the other problem is, is that this is something that should have been handled last summer. You know, you look at Connecticut, which had much more clear standards and was able to open a lot more schools a lot earlier, including in urban centers, uh, compared to Massachusetts, which all of a sudden decided to just fire the gun, you know, a few weeks ago and say, okay, it's time to go back to class. As we like to do from time to time, we're going to take a look at some of what our panelists have been writing about. And Matt, let's start with you. You wrote a piece examining Springfield's response to the COVID-19 pandemic over the last year. You spoke with elected and city officials and looked at how they've handled the situation, among other things. Please tell us more. Well, basically, I mean, I think that Springfield, despite having all the perfect storm ingredients in socioeconomically and uh, in terms of the condition of, of, of housing and jobs, everything could have been a lot worse. I think we could have been in the same territory that Chelsea had been in. And Chelsea only has nine fewer deaths than Springfield. And Springfield is four times or so larger than Chelsea. So, I mean, I, I think that there was a very effective uh, way to communicate with people, um, broadly speaking, in the city, at least compared to some cities uh, with similar problems. And uh, and we've also been lucky. I mean, there's, you know, first-class medical institutions. There's there's not a, a given that a city of our size or even our age would have uh, that kind of uh, uh, ability to respond as well as it did uh, to the, the pandemic when it hit as hard as it did. So, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is the city has faced a lot of hardships and I think they scraped by by the skin of their teeth a number of occasions over the last 10 years. And COVID is just another one of those. Mike, 
Springfield had a brief period in the yellow category of COVID risk, but is now back in the red. How would you assess the way the city has dealt with COVID-19? I think that we've been a a lot more prepared. I think that Helen Colton Harris, who's the Commissioner of Health and Human Services, has done a very good job trying to prepare an infrastructure, especially for vaccinations. Her plan is to bring vaccinations into neighborhoods by using neighborhood schools. Uh, This is great because there's so much evidence that, especially in communities uh, of color, there's resistance not only to getting the vaccination because of very valid historical reasons, but there's also the resistance about trying to get out of the neighborhood. Not everybody is mobile. There's a lot of elderly people. And I think that um, Colton Harris has done a, a really great job. I also think that Mayor Sarno has been very, very consistent in trying to deliver messages, not only from his administration, but also from uh, Bay State Medical and Trendy Health. So uh, I really think that Springfield has, has stepped up very much so in trying to give people information. Agreed. And Mike, in speaking of vaccinations, you wrote about your frustrations trying to get a COVID-19 vaccine, saying the current reservation system isn't effective and you felt like you needed to know a guy to get a shot. Fill us in. Well, yeah, and I'll just hold up here on the Zoom that we're recording this on my card. I finally got a vaccination. And the way I got it wasn't through the the state program. There is a volunteer group that actually looks for people um, to find a vaccination appointment. And so my wife and I were able to find it through a group of volunteers. Yes, we pre-registered with the state. Yes, I sat here with a window open and was in the waiting room and all this stuff. And just for listeners to understand, I'm 66. I'm overweight. I've got diabetes. Hey, I've got all of the requirements to get a vaccine, but yet I couldn't. So thanks to this volunteer group, my wife and I now have got vaccines. Now, I just think that we've dropped the ball in Massachusetts about how we distribute the vaccine. We really have. And I think that um, not to kick uh, Governor Baker too hard, uh, just a a good swift kick to the shins here. I I think his administration has really, truly um, confused people about this. And I, I, I think it's a shame, especially when you compare us to other states. Matt, with more people due to become eligible in Massachusetts soon, do you think the difficulty of getting a shot could keep people from doing it all together? I don't think it'll keep people all together, but I think it will slow down uh, the ability for the state to get as vaccinated as broadly as possible. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, you look at the data, uh, I checked Bloomberg's data, and on a regular basis, Massachusetts is exhausting its supply more quickly than Connecticut, but it still has a smaller percentage of its population consistently vaccinated than Connecticut. So, I mean, those lost few days and the days that we lose, you know, when everybody's kind of backed up and confused, it's going to be a problem until we are truly at the point when when supply exceeds demand. And that could be a lot longer here than it should be because of these uh, mix-ups. Matt Safransky with Western Mass Politics and Insight and Mike Dobbs with a reminder, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you for listening to The Shortlist and EPM's Week in Review. You can catch us at any time wherever you get your podcasts or at nepm.org slash podcast hub. I'm Adam Frenier and this is New England Public Media.